Welcome everyone to episode 151 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Chris Coughlin, and I'm joined by Liam Toa as we analyse Liverpool's 3-0 win over Aston Villa. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Well, it's three wins in a row for Liverpool uh, at the start of the Premier League season following the opening day draw at Chelsea. So three game, four games in, uh, one draw, three wins. Quite an impressive run of form for Liverpool, really, considering the, the fixtures that they had at the start of the campaign. But looking solely at yesterday's win over Aston Villa, Dominic Soboslai getting off the mark for the Reds with a brilliant hit. After only three minutes, the Reds doubled their lead with a Matty Cash own goal after Darwin Nunez at hit the post from close range. Then a few chances for Aston Villa before Mo Salah. Who else with uh, his 10th consecutive uh, game in which he's scored or assisted in the Premier League, which is the most by any player since Mo Salah himself <laughs> back uh, uh, going uh, a couple of years uh, so, Liam, when you look at that as a whole, uh, of course, we start these podcasts with the, the three-word match reviews. So, what is yours, and then what did you make about Liverpool's performance as a whole yesterday? Um, a match uh, three-word review is pretty much perfect. Um, I don't think we really could have asked for anything more from 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 the game than, than what we got. Um, Joy, night, lovely early goal, settled in straight away, and um, brilliant to see Dom getting on his first Liverpool goal for us as well, just sort of for his overall performance. Um, they, Dom, they pretty much dominated from start to finish. They bit had their their moments, and um, Alisson was needed for that one save early in the second half. But it was one of those where he, even once the third goal went in, and there were still thirty five or so minutes to play. Um, you know, I, I felt comfortable watching it. I, I never thought we were in any danger of of, of even letting give Villa a sniff of, of a, a way back into the game. Um, this is about, it's about as much as you can ask for. It's the only blemish was the was trying going off and showing to wait and see. I think Klopp said it it's um hamstring related, so we just had to wait and see what what comes to that. Um, but aside from aside from that, pretty much all, all we could have asked for. Um, yeah. The yeah, I think I'd be going along the lines of really good performance, really. I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the performance as a whole um, against a side that have some very good players mm. and have conducted some really good business over the summer as well. I think when you look at the way Liverpool defended at times in the opening few games and you look at the threats, say, that Musa Diaby and Ollie Watkins have had for Aston Villa as well um, in, in a couple of competitions so far uh, this season in the Conference League as well with the qualifying win over Hibs over two legs. Um, I think, is it fair to say you maybe expected a, a more difficult afternoon for Liverpool? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you look, you look at how, how that has started the season, I think that that opening day result against Newcastle has proven to be a bit of an aberration when you look at how the two teams have done since then. And it's one of those where it, I think if you offered me like a narrow 2 1 or something prior to kickoff, I'd have been taking it all day long. Um, probably wasn't expecting more from Villa in one sense. Um, I know some of their, their big name players like Watkins was, was very quiet yesterday. Paul Torres, who I rate as a very good centre half, um, was kind of tormented really by. 
by the Liverpool attack. I mean, when they give away, giving away that early corner and the pressure, I think set the tone for the entire match. And um, even like John McGinn, it normally so industrious, like he was kind of snuffed out as well. And um, so I was expecting more from Villa, but I think at the same time, there's probably it's probably, it's probably as much to do as Liverpool not letting them play. And um, like, I mean, like you can start to see uh, yesterday, I kind of started to see the bit. Uh, the midfield tree beginning to there is that chemistry is starting to flow, um, especially between the Zabazai and the Callister. Um, like they're they're all to closing down and worked it two of those did off the ball yesterday. And, and Curtis Jones as well not to overlook his contribution. Um as I said, like Villa probably weren't, weren't anywhere near the best, but at the same time, Liverpool never really let gave them much of a sniff either. So it's probably a bit, a bit of both in that regard. I think on your three-word review as well, pretty much perfect. I think that was pretty much word for word what Jurgen Klopp said after the game as well in terms of he couldn't have asked for a much better display all round, really, even when you consider, um, of course, Van Dijk's absence and all against the the quality of opposition that Liverpool were up against yesterday. Um, You mentioned one of the stars of the show there. He did get the uh, official Liverpool player of the match, Dominic Soboslai. Um, it just he's just been phenomenal since he arrived, hasn't he? And we'll we'll, we'll have a look at his performance yesterday in isolation, and then just in terms of his impact overall since he since he's been at the club. Um, for a, a first Liverpool goal, I think uh, d- does it make it sweeter that a, a first Liverpool goal for the new number eight was a, a stunner from the edge of the box? <laughs> I think the parallels are obvious, all right between. <laughs> Him and a, a previous um, exponent of that particular shirt, um, but yeah, I mean, there were there are definitely elements of um, Stevie G to that performance yesterday. I mean, the goal from as, as you say from outside the box was uh, the obvious thing, but just overall, and uh, what what so was I brought? Um, they they every he put in he put in off the ball, very tidy in possession, and um, like and capped it off with that goal yesterday, and. Um, they like really couldn't have asked for any, any more from him. And so, in, generally speaking, he's taken to... It wasn't like yes, yesterday was his big explosion. And, I mean, even the, the three games prior to that, um, I'd been quite impressed with him as well as in pre-season. So, again, like too early in his Liverpool career to go on calling him like an unqualified success. But um, from, from what we've seen so far, that 60 million is already beginning to look like a very shrewd investment. Um, like the, just the energy he's he's bringing to the middle of the park is chalk and cheese from what has been there for like for last season in particular. Um, so I mean I think every Liverpool fan would be thrilled with 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 how Subway has taken to life at Anfield so far. I did watch a fair bit of him over in Germany and in the Champions League. Maybe that's mm. because I've I've got far too much time on my hands, but. I, I, when when he was linked with Liverpool, and there was that rumored battle with Newcastle, I just thought he'd, he'd be the absolute perfect fit in terms of that role, that that right sided central midfielder. Although we saw his goal came from the left channel, obviously such, such a sweet strike. Um, is it a refreshing switch up, Liam, as well? That now. After Liverpool have had a good couple of years of workmanlike midfielders, if you like, in terms of just doing the job, doing the minimum, uh, helping out the rest of the team. Liverpool now and Dominic Soboslai have a midfielder that 
genuinely is expected to contribute to goals. Hundred percent, Chris. I mean, that's something I think we've um we've I think we've probably lacked somebody like that since Philip Coutinho. Like I you know Coutinho is probably more of like a natural number ten, a slightly different type of player to what someone say is. But um again, like I know I know exactly. So even in the title winning season, and um, like when. Fabinho Henderson and Wijnaldum were, were kind of your, your main three midfield. I like, you know Wijnaldum had that ability as well to kind of get for, get forward and influence games in the, in the final third. But um, but you know, a- absolutely, I think that is one of the main complaints from Liverpool fans over the last few years was that the midfield was a bit times too sterile. Um, I think our, our let's look at like the stats. I think our midfield just last season, like, none of them got more than three Premier League goals, um, which I think for a club of, of Liverpool's stature, um, who's aiming to be at a minimum in the Champions League every season, ideally contending for the titles. I mean, that simply isn't enough. Um, I mean, the signs are that Zobosai is going to easily get, go beyond that figure. Um, I think he got in and around double figures for Leipzig last season um, and well capable of doing the, the same for us this time around. Um, yeah, it's the, the energy he brings just makes, just makes the games, I, I think, much more exciting to watch, and I think the midfield just seems that more balanced now. And um, like even with, with McAllister in there as well. I mean, I know he played he played the deep role yesterday, and he played it very well. Like, but he, again, if there comes a time when someone saw he's unavailable, or whether when he just kind of maybe needs a bit of a breather, and um, you know, Alexis can play that bit further forward, like he did at Brighton last season, and chip in with his fair share of goals too. Um, with it's an honest that we have like Gravenberg there at, and Endo. As well to play that a bit behind, uh, Curtis Jones can can you can kind of sign him in pretty much anywhere in midfield. Like Thiago, if he if and when he he's fit, is, is there as an option as well. So I think all of a sudden you're looking at it saying we actually can kind of keep opponents and opposition managers guessing with the midfield options that we have um, when everyone is fit and available. I guess Alexis McAllister as well. He kind of played a bit of an unsung role so far, I guess, just because Soboslai quite rightly has stolen all the headlines of his performances. But McAllister, he's kind of had to be moved around a bit so far. Um, yesterday, of course, as you say, playing at the number six, uh, whether that means that Endo is just taking a little bit of time to settle in, in the eyes of Jurgen Klopp. Um, but you know, we heard him singing Endo's praises as well, so I'm sure we'll see a lot of football for him this season. Mm. Uh, another player, of course, who moves into the midfield, if you like, from his uh, regular right-back role, Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's had... A difficult time of it so far, although Jurgen Klopp, again, was full of praise in terms of his performance following the yellow card at Newcastle in terms of how well he conducted himself, obviously taking on the armband and playing so well after that. Uh, First time he started a game as Liverpool captain at Anfield um, this weekend for Trent Alexander-Arnold, so massive honour for the boyhood scouser as well. It would be a real shame if he was ruled out with a hamstring problem, although you're just hoping how early he gets picked up. Maybe it's just a case of him being ruled out of the international break and then he's back for Wolves after it. But when you see his performance yesterday, do you think do you think he's finally arrived this season? Um, I wouldn't, I'd be slow to say he's finally arrived, this is it. Because, you know, with Trent, we've seen it before where he could have a match like yesterday where pretty much everything he does comes off and he's running the show. And then the final week, he can go and be given the runaround. So I was still would like to see, like maybe a consistent run of maybe eight, ten games 
from Trent, like, like yesterday's one where he's kind of conducting the orchestra a bit. Like, we know he has that in him. Like, we've seen that before. I mean, yesterday's performance, it wasn't, didn't necessarily tell us anything new about him. But I think it was the perfect riposte to those who were taking aim at him after like, the game at Newcastle last week were, I mean, okay, again, first yellow card I thought was incredibly harsh, um, but he did get away at one on Anthony Gordon after that. Um, but as you rightly say, when Van Dyke went off, like, Trent did settle down and he, he, I think he kind of stepped up and did what the team needed him to do at that, at, at that time. And then yesterday, the, the captaincy, especially for a local lad um, at, at, at clubs like Liverpool, the captaincy can sometimes seem like a, a real burden and players can seem inhibited by it. Trent seemed to revel in it yesterday. And you could see it even from the first couple of minutes, like those diagonal passes he picked out for, for Luis Diaz. Um, like you could see he was he was loving it. He he wanted he was made his business to like go and, and conduct things from like, from from his, from his area of the pitch. Um, and I think I can't let a conversation about Trent go without talking about that pass in the lead up to the second goal. I mean, it must have been fifty or sixty yards, sweet as a nut for for Mo Salah, and then obviously the the OG sense and that unlucky as it was. Um, yeah, he was Trent was magnificent yesterday, and we're just just hoping that they, that it was not more than a bit of a knock. And uh, said luck, but alone maybe luckily is the wrong word to use, but I suppose. There's never a good time to get injured, but this is probably the least worst time for something like that to happen with the international break coming up. Um, if it's not more than something which needs a few days, so he'll have that. Hopefully, be ready for the Wolves game because after that, then that's where you're going into your your two matches a week every week. Yeah, I think Tom Brady would have been proud of that pass if we could <laughs> some sort of Birmingham references <laughs> in. Um, but I suppose if there's one caveat and. I'm, I'm relating this back to what you said at the start in terms of you, you'd be a little bit reluctant to say he's arrived. Liverpool won't be playing against the line that high every week, will they? So it's about when he does play against a low block, how he adapts to that. Because, he, you know, again, like there was pinging it left, right and centre yesterday. But when he plays against a low block, that is when he'll have to adapt his game slightly, isn't it? Isn't it? That's very true, yeah. I mean... In what, again, not to take away from Trey's performance because he was magnificent, but as you say, in a sense, Villa kind of played into our hands a little bit by by playing so high up. Because I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't take a manager of Premier League quality to know that you know Trent has that ability in his locker to pick a pass and from fixed 50, 60 yards, and Joe, and when he has the the room to do so, when Liverpool have the space in behind to to get the best out of that, then naturally they're they're going to use it. Um, so again, that, that's, I refer back to, like yesterday's performance, we know Trent can deliver. It's just a question now of him being able to, to do that um, like over like, a period of whatever, six, eight, ten games, like rather than one or two, and then reverting back to the, like something like we saw in the opening 20 minutes against Newcastle last week. Um, but we know, we, we know Trent, Trent has, has, has the ability, like, so again, hopefully we, we, we will really see him come to the fore this season. And fingers crossed as well that obviously he's okay for mm. Wolves, but also we haven't yet heard if Virgil van Dijk's suspension is going to get extended. Um, I think maybe because of the international break, maybe they've decided to leave it a little bit to look at whatever evidence they can find. Um, obviously, fingers crossed, there's no evidence too far that van Dijk's all available for, for thinking mm. about more than you, but then you'd think maybe 
worst case scenario then you're thinking of two players are out is it Joe Gomez at right back would Gerald Kwanzaa have to start so hopefully Canate is he available for after the break so I think Liverpool will be in a way, they're kind of glad about the timing of, of the break, but we'll, we'll, I think we'll, we'll get on to that a bit a little bit later on. Um, one other player I wanted to mention, um, Liam, Darwin Nunez. Um, again, just chaotic, but I, I think I want to use that in a good phrase because he didn't half torment the Aston Villa defence yesterday. Another game where, on another day, you're talking about potential... A potential hat trick for Darwin Nunez, ultimately coming away with no goals, but one definite assist for Mo Salah, one FPL assist by forcing the own goal from Matty Cash. Um, he was handed his first start of the season, deservedly so after that you know, incredible cameo at Newcastle. Thoughts on his display overall, and has he done enough to to keep his place for for Molyneux after the break? Um, yeah, I absolutely think no one, no one has performance of everything except the goal yesterday. Um, like, as I say, we use words like chaotic and tormenting. Like, I think those two words, I think, best sum up um, so what he was like for, for Villa to, to try and deal with. Um, as I say, I got, an, I think I was looking, I think he had five shots, like two of them came back off the, off the, off the woodwork. Um, as, like, he had that one, I suppose he should have had one shot in target and one goal, like that uh, chance early in the second yeah. half. Is, like, they're, I know they were even referred to it in the match commentary that I was watching yesterday they said, like, oh, this is the, the newness of the, fir- of the first three months of, of Liverpool is back. Um, but At that like, harsh? Yeah, I think it was meant in jest as much as anything. Yeah. Um, like, you can see what they, were, what they were getting at, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think like, like I said, he had everything about yesterday except the goal. Um, and like I, I was saying to myself this morning, it's kind of one of those where we kind of could have, we could have taken it yesterday um, because you know we got the three goals other than that. Um, like last week when we really needed him to come good, he did. And yesterday when a few others chipped in, chipped in with the goals, like, and Darren didn't quite get one, um, you know, we could... In the first way, afford for him to you know, have those couple of misses out, those things not quite come off for him. But like overall, yeah, I mean, he he led Villa's defence and Murray dance yesterday. And um, I'd say when they were probably like when he when he eventually gets up to you, I'd say they're like, oh, thank, thanks be to God. Um, don't don't be having him anymore. And um, based on that performance and based on what he did against Newcastle, I've hundred percent have him starting against Wolves. Um, assuming he is fit and available for that game. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even the uh, side of the highlights from the Wolves getting his palace yesterday and, you know, Alisson Edwards, Ebrese, you know, led, you know, led their def- Wolves defence a bit of a Murray dance like, so Nunes is absolutely capable of doing, doing the same. Like, he could ravage, um, you know, the, the Wolves set rear guard if, if he's at his best for the game among you, so 100% definitely everything to start. When you allude to the Nunez of last season, now I think I've got a fair head of hair, but last year was I was ripping fair chunks of it out when I was seeing him drifting to the left-hand side. And I think one thing that we've seen from Nunez at St. James's Park and yesterday at Anfield, it's an absolute game-changer to see him staying central, isn't it? Because ultimately, and I'm not going to start the, the Haaland discussion again because uh, look there, there isn't really a discussion to be had 
yet anyway. But what I am saying is that the reason why Erling Haaland gets so many goals for Manchester City, not just because he gets 10 chances a game, but because he stays central and central positions are where your forwards are going to get the goals. For Nunez yesterday, I hope it's been firmly planted in his brain now. Look, if you stay central, you will score goals for Liverpool. And do you, do you think that's do you think that's a part of his game that we're finally seeing the development now? Because that that's where he caused so many problems. I think you pretty much hit the nail in the head there, Chris. Um, like at times, I see I couldn't understand why. I mean, he's clearly signed as the centre forward. I think even there was, I think probably from within Liverpool, they probably knew it was going to be Bobby's. I had an inkling that maybe Bobby was going to be with us for all that much longer. So like they were kind of signed him not to give us that focal point in attack. So it was yeah. I mean. At times, I see when you saw him, like, they say, drift out to the left, and looking at saying, What's that all about? Like, he signed the centre forward, just games through the middle. He got 36 goals or something for Benfica the season before that. And um, you can see that, you know, he, like, he, he looks sharper and um, 100%. And he does, I mean, I think, keep, as you say, keep him in that position and you know, for for the full campaign because we have, look, we have plenty of options who can play either side of him, play that, play that very well. And like, keep Nunes in the middle. Like, I mean, he was given the number nine shirt. I think that in itself even you know, kind of explains, look, look, we're giving you, like, you are our focal point in attack. You are our centre forward. Like, you keep, keep yourself in the penalty area and and you will comfortably get 20, 25 goals this season. And he's well capable of it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it, it, and I know, we, I know we maybe preferred the left-hand side to Benfica a lot more, but... I've always got this vision, like this kind of tunnel vision, just stay within the parameter of the 18-yard box and you can't really go wrong in terms of at least being able to create opportunities. And he's got the movement, he's got the desire, he's got the hunger to get into those positions. And if he does that for Liverpool this year, I, I completely agree with you. There, there, there are plenty and plenty of goals to come for Darwin Nunez. Just looking at the game as a whole, Yesterday, are there any anybody that we haven't mentioned so far that you that you think deserves an honourable mention? Um, yeah, I'm going to start with Joe Gomez. Um, like he's someone who probably has gotten his 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 share of criticism whenever he has played. You know, there's frustration over his injury records. You know, there was talks. I think a lot of times probably why I said Joe, if an offer twenty twenty five million comes in from another club, they'd probably take it. Um. Like he was playing yesterday through probably necessity more than anything, like with Burgess suspended and Nibu Kanati out injured. But I have to say, since since you know coming out last week against Newcastle and yesterday, he has done everything that could be asked of him and more. Um, like, he, like but in and out of possession yesterday, he was superb. I think he's something like 103 successive passes yesterday out of 108. Like that's a, like a phenomenal level of consistency from playing out from the back, and so I think won five of his seven duels as well. So they like, did everything, like, kept the ball ticking over really nicely for us, and defensively did it from what was required. And he matched up alongside him, you probably the a bad miss in the first half, and then gave away one of the most bizarre corners I've ever seen in the second. But again, he was he was rock solid. Like, any fears over the two of them yesterday? Would have been understandable before the game, but proved unfounded for, for a finish. Have to give Addison a shout out for that save from Cash as well. At a point in the game where if that had gone in, suddenly it's 2 1. Villa have most of the second half to to get, get a go, another goal back and could have completely changed the complexion of it. Um, 
So again, Addison comes up with the goods. Um, I think everyone's rocks. Everyone, I think, can be happy with how they did. I mean, there was no, there was no one yesterday that I was looking at saying, "Oh, for God's sake, what are you doing?" Or there's no one who'd be like, "Okay, he needs to come off, etc., etc." Like some obviously came to the fore more than others, but I think every single player who who started for Liverpool yesterday can feel pleased with with what they contributed. I think any regular listeners to this podcast, they might well have a bingo card now that they just tick off when we say Alisson's the best goalkeeper <laughs> in the world. But the thing is, you know, a save like that, when he's had pretty much nothing to do all afternoon and he stays so alert to moments like that, and it's a brilliant save given that it's come all the way through, it's cash at the far post, it's the latest time that he can see the ball, but it's how quickly he reacts to it and also, so, because his whole body is behind the line pretty much. So to keep the ball ahead of the line and, and clear it away, absolutely. I want to say, I thought, uh, obviously, Curtis Jones coming in again. I, I felt a little bit sorry for him this year just because, obviously, how well he ended last season and all the talk of a midfield reinforcement and then effectively three players coming in for his place. But... The amount of games as well this season, I'm pretty sure we'll see. After the break, I'd expect to see Gravenberg primarily start in the Europa League games just to get him up to speed, just to you know, get the fluidity in. But then I think Liverpool have got a magnificent player in Ryan Gravenberg for the money that they paid for him. But we, we discussed that myself on uh, myself and Dave on uh, the, the podcast last week. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought, okay, again, Curtis Jones coming in kind of, Maybe not in the goal-scoring stakes, but starting off uh, or doing how well he did last season as well at the back end of it. But Liverpool uh, are very much in the top four going into the first international break of the season. Um, Liam, unfortunately, they're a necessity because you've got to fit them in somewhere um, the international breaks. Um, you could look at it in a few ways, couldn't you, in terms of Liverpool, look, three wins in a row, Brilliant performance and result against Aston Villa. They probably want the Wolves game to be next week. Just keep on going. Mm. But with Canate, Thiago still to come back, and a little bit of sweat over Trent Alexander-Arnold, is there an argument that this international break has come at a good time for Liverpool? Yeah, it's funny how in, at various interviews yesterday, I was I went from saying, God, this is break is coming at a, a bad time for us because we're kind of starting to get a bit of momentum going again um, but then on the flip side of that uh, you referenced sure, the few players you have there who their injury concerns over and that hopefully sure, they, the 12 days until we play Wolves might give them the time to sure, get their sharpness up, get back being, to be match fit and be ready for that game and you. of course there, they, there is a side of that you know, we're as ever for international breaks we're hoping and praying that any of the players who do go off representing their countries, Joe, report back for duty and fit and ready, ready to go again because we are, go- and like I referenced earlier, we've had only like, Joe, a batch every sun- Saturday or Sunday, Joe, for the last month or so. Once we come back after this round of internationals, we are into Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, to, again, until the, until the, to go off for internationals in October. So this part is where we're going to start seeing the, how crucial it is to have have the squad there, and how crucial it is that players like maybe nice to say Jones, Har- Harvey Elliott, and um, maybe even the Jota a bit, uh, Simi Katz, 
the those players who haven't had much of a look in or haven't been starting a whole lot so far this term, that's where this is now where I think they've become crucial for, for us that don't that you can slot them in there without greatly diminishing the you know, the quality of, of the starting eleven. Um so yeah, as as you say, it's we'll absolutely take where we are at the moment in the hope that we can that we can finish and in the hope that when we come back for the Wolves game that we do have more or less a fully fit squad there to, to choose from. He's another as well, Harvey Elliott, isn't he? Because he hasn't started a game yet this season. But I thought every time he's come on, I think he's been brilliant. <laughs> you know, I think he needs to... I've said that he needs to discover a position as such, but in that central role, almost a bit of a... Maybe not box-to-box, because I wouldn't expect an incredible amount of goal contributions from him, but just that busy midfielder connecting the play I know we wouldn't want him to be a super sub all the time, but I think he maybe he's finding that position a little bit now. Yeah, and I think players like that are I think their their importance to the squad as a whole can be a bit under, understated. And like sometimes it's said of you know players like Elliot who can I suppose fulfil a number of functions that they tend to be victims of their versatility in a way because you know like the manager, like maybe they're kept in reserve because you're thinking if we need legs in the field. Put Harvey Elliott on. If you need something to maybe drive things a bit more from the middle of the park, put Harvey Elliott on. If Joe Morsana needs a rest, then you're looking for someone to maybe go fill in on the right, throw Harvey Elliott in there. Um, yeah, as, as you say, he's, even though he might jump out you as the first team in the team sheet every week, and Joe, you know, it probably is frustrating for him in a way that he mightn't start it as often as he'd like. Um, you can tell him that, I mean, he played, I think, if you look at just the number of appearances that, that Liverpool players made last season, Joe, whether that's from the start or as a substitute, I think he was up there near the highest. And that shows how much Jurgen Klopp values him and appreciates him and you know, and relies your lives upon him to sort of be in like the match day squad at the very least and to and to either be you know, making an impact from the start or coming in and with influencing games off the bench like like he did yesterday. I've enjoyed seeing his kind of development as well since joining from Fulham of course helps that he's, he's a Liverpool fan and, and cares so much about the club but just his, his kind of maturity as he's grown up as well That I think that loan spell at Blackburn did wonders for him uh, a couple of years ago um, we haven't actually touched on uh, the Europa League group stage since it was announced uh, Liam because the last podcast myself and uh, Dave did it was on uh, the uh, the potential incoming or the the incoming of uh, Ryan Gravenberg, which of course came to fruition later on on deadline day. Um, the Europa League group stage it was uh, confirmed last Friday at lunchtime, and in terms of the fixtures, well, Liverpool will uh, Liverpool play Austrian side Lask, the uh, Belgian outfit Royal Union Saint Gilois, and the French Cup winners Toulouse. In terms of the the fixtures itself. Liverpool uh, first away to Lask, then at home to Royal Union Saint-Gilois, then at home to Toulouse, away to Toulouse, so that uh, against the French side, that's a doubleheader in the middle of the group. Then they'll host Lask before being away to Royal Union in the final game of the group. One thing, and not before we look at the quality of the sides as such, just one very quick thing. In terms of travel for the for Europa League group stage, Liverpool probably could have asked for better, could they? 100%. I think that's the... Because I remember I was looking at the... Once we knew the team, the, the two teams were going to be in the group stage, I think I, I remember I, I was asking 
people on Twitter and um, you know, who, who what are the teams you'd like to get from this and and I know one or two people who were tried said let's just avoid any really long trips because realistically like Liverpool probably are stronger than any of the teams in pots two three and four so we're always going to get what would probably look like a favourable draw quality wise but as you say the fact that we don't have you know, have, I mean, that Austria is our is our furthest journey um, I, I think we'd be absolutely de- delighted with that and say Klopp and the players are probably, <laughs> are probably breathing a sigh of relief at the you know at the, the, the teams who came out of that pot so um, and as I say even the, the teams who are there um, like I said I mean they're not I mean none of them are to be discounted I mean they're all in the competition on merit but at the same time depending on how and how seriously Liverpool go at the group stage, um, there is definitely an opportunity there for Liverpool at their best, you know, to get that to get that quad group wrapped up with with at least a game to spare. And so I think, yeah, draw overall, um, Klopp would have been absolutely delighted with it, privately. And there's the caveat as well, isn't there, that winning the group in the Europa League, this is a feature that they brought in a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, winning the group skips you through the round of 32 phase and just takes you straight to the last 16 so that is that in itself for liverpool is is a big one in terms of just skipping a phase that would mean that would mean no europa league football until march as well so in february that that would be a big factor i've just had a look um at the teams in in question just at the start of their seasons respectively uh lask are third in the uh, austrian bundesliga uh oral union saint gilois who've uh, been in the champions league qualifying not too recently as well got uh, beaten by rangers over two legs um i think it was last season um they are mid table in belgium and then toulouse are in the bottom half off in uh, France they've had a very difficult start to the campaign so I think as you quite rightly say we would have expected you know Liverpool <laughs> Liverpool the only team in the competition with the coefficient over 100,000 um, but nevertheless it's a group that you look at both in terms of distance and in terms of the teams the Liverpool will be up against and I think we're both sat here now of course football is played on the pitch it's not played on paper but I think we're both sat here expecting that in December, Liverpool will be named as group winners and through to the round of 16. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so, Chris. And I think that it's one of those where, we, like we've seen with Champions League in a couple of seasons, um, like prior to, prior to last year, it's one of those where if Liverpool kind of just go like, strongly at it from the start, there is the potential there, I think, for us to be qualified with two games to spare. And possibly having the group one with with one match to spare, and um, which in turn means that by the time you get around to the the final group games in like late November, first couple of weeks of December, when I think there's there's a midweek Premier League round of matches as well to be factored in, and when the fix, when the fixtures really gets chunky, um, I definitely could, it could be worth its weight in gold then for Liverpool to just go strong from the start, try and get this done out of the way as soon as possible, so that by the time we come out to that last match and um, in Belgium, that yeah, we had the luxury of be, like being able to like let none of our regular first eleven near near the pitch, no need for them, and let the, let the younger lads off. Give your your Ben Doak, Jared Quanza, James O'Connell, and let those and even someone like Peter Luga, let them have a bit a bit of a run out. Um, you know, because I, I trust me when it comes to that point of the season, we could very much appreciate having the group safely sewn up if Joe you know, we can get before confident enough to get the job done by then. 
Absolutely. Some busy times coming up for Liverpool. Very much so uh, as now we're into the first international break of the season, but then after then it is pretty much go, go, go. Uh, Games every weekend, every midweek, certainly in the next round of fixtures. Liam, thank you very much for joining me on the latest episode of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. Uh, Just a reminder that we will have uh, more podcasts coming up this season and we'll have another episode coming out later on this week. But I'm Chris Coffin. I've been joined by Liam Toa. Thank you very much for listening and see you soon. Awesome. Just stop. Uh...